RexMuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Physiques, where the only thing in life worth pursuing is that which cannot be killed. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joining you here in 2012. This is the year, the big year, the uh, the, the Mayan prophecy, the Mayan calendar, you name it. It's all coming this year. And uh, we are definitely going to have an exciting roller coaster ride, as Jeff and I were discussing in the last episode of the radio show. Um, that quote, the only thing in life worth pursuing is that which cannot be killed is, of course, um, said by the Buddha, but, of course, said by every other uh, expert out there. Science, you know, these are these were people who were advanced scientists, whether it be Rumi, uh, Lao Tzu, the Buddha, and Christ. They've all said the same thing in different words. And it's interesting because I was just having a conversation with a close friend of mine about this to some degree. Um, see if I can explain it. Basically, uh, it's kind of funny how, you know, if there is a God, if he were to come down here and actually say to you, I have the answer for how you can be happy. Um, it's pretty obvious that most of us wouldn't even listen to him. And I guess you could say, because if you look around, how most of us don't really follow the advice of these, of these mystics and these gurus, or as some Christians believe, Jesus is God actually. And yet when they tell us what to do, we have such a hard time escaping our programs, which are really, as I said before, designed to, uh, to kind of motivate us through being unhappy. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, like, for example, stepping out of our comfort zone. I mean, how many of us are programmed to uh, just stay within our comfort zone and not push the boundaries and, and step up and really get into it? You know, obviously in the gym, a lot of us can do it. And so athletes are used to that. But do you actually push your boundaries in all the parts of your life? That, that's really a critical question for, for you to ask yourself. And of course, the way you kind of stop and catch yourself and realize that you're just kind of going into, uh, you know, cruise control is by practicing presence, by taking some time every day just to uh, be aware. You might want to call it meditation. You can call it whatever you want to, but through gaining the ability to wake up and be aware, you can actually start pushing those envelopes. Um, you know, someone can't go into the gym and train and become like Derek Poundstone or Ronnie Coleman. Um, not right away, at least, right? It takes years. And it's kind of funny because one of my friends was like, I'm going to give that meditation thing uh, you know, a go. I'm going to kind of try it out or whatever. And this is after talking to Dr. Bob Mahoney, the, uh, the Zen Buddhist uh, we were talking to a few weeks ago. And he said it took him three years to get there. Now, that might be dismaying to a lot of people. Wow, meditating for three years to get to that level. But you got to realize, most of us have no problems going to school, college for four years to get a degree. Um, most of us in the gym have no problems committing four, five, six, ten years to get to physique where we can actually step on stage or enter a powerlifting competition. So uh, it's really not that much, if you think about it, to dedicate 10, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever you want a day. Uh, and if it takes a couple of years, three, four years to achieve something that probably is the most important thing you ever could achieve. Uh, you know, I hope that everybody realizes how important that is to actually step up and try that out. Now, this being the New Year's, of course, the key thing everybody is concerned about is weight loss, uh, New Year's resolutions. And so with that said, we are going to have our resident expert, uh, medical doctor Dana Hauser on board to help us uh, kick off the New Year's with some of his latest on fat loss and exercise. Um, a couple of interesting notes I saw recently was um, 
coffee, coffee drinkers. A lot of us love coffee. There's a new article in this month's Life Extension on the benefits of coffee. And believe it or not, uh, it's actually very healthy. So you may want to check out that. That is available at lifeextension.org, I believe, lef.org, if you want to read that article on coffee and how healthy it is for you. Also in the latest magazine, uh, Life Extension, is an article on stress and how bad it is. Apparently 80% now of Americans suffer some form of uh, pretty intense chronic stress. So that is the number one health risk. And yet, of course, another reason why you want to practice uh, some form of grounding, uh, you know, meditation, of course, uh, you know, is, is a great way. Of course, working out is another way to relieve stress without a doubt. A lot of us seek that out, but uh, I don't think it's really going to be enough for most of us. We do need to practice some type of integrative uh, practice, I guess, by mind, body. And so I think uh, meditation or uh, something along those lines would really help a lot of us. So we'll take a quick break and get our guest, Dana, on the line. Once again, this is Quantum Physiques. Stay tuned. We're coming right back with Dana Hauser. Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com, the newest and hottest supplement super site. We carry all the major brands, including Species, MHP, BPI, BSN, Optimal Nutrition, Gaspari, and many more. Low on cash? No problem. ExtremeFitNutrition.com offers competitive prices that our competitors can't beat. Now you can supplement your diet without having to supplement your bank account. Here's some of our specials. Buy $100 worth of Species products or metabolic nutrition and get a free t-shirt and bag. Buy two $200 worth of BSN products and receive a BSN t-shirt and shaker bottle. Remember, there's only one extreme. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com now. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabatrol. Gabatrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabatrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabatrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabatrol is available now at rxstress.com. Hydrolyze Ultra, the leader in cellular hydration water. Hydrolyze Ultra water has been designed by shrinking and reshaping molecules to allow a faster and more sustained delivery into your cells. Our cellular water has gone through a magnetism and laser treatment process, along with adding electrolytes to our special ingredients. This allows all nutrients to be absorbed at a maximum cellular state. By using Hydrolyze Ultra, all nutrients, supplements, and carbohydrates you consume will be absorbed at a greater rate. Lactic acid gets flushed faster, and you'll feel full hydrated. Get the advantage that top athletes have achieved. Try Hydrolyze Ultra today. Visit HydrolyzeUltra.com. That's HydrolyzeUltra.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate. 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. 
Order today at highproteinbread.com. P28 is also now available at bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now, highproteinbread.com. P28 Bread, RX Muscle approved. RxMuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet, and exercise. Up to the minute news and more. Visit the RxMuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q and A's with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows, including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, Rx Muscle Place. Visit RxMuscle.com. And welcome back to Quantum Physiques. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joined by our semi-residential or semi-permanent expert here on all things uh, fitness, nutrition, uh, you name it, Dr. Dana Hauser. Dana, welcome back to Quantum Physiques. Uh, thanks, Brian. Okay. Uh, Dana, of course, with the new year now, I hope I'm not going to spring this on you unexpectedly, and I apologize, but I know you can handle it, actually. But with the new year, the number one thing everyone's been asking me for is to cover a show on, you guessed it, fat loss. Everyone, even even athletes and bodybuilders, and I know we deal with an elite crowd here that, that are pretty good, you know, everyone... If not for themselves, they probably know somebody that they want to help lose weight, whether it be their significant other or something like that. And so um, I've had a couple of, uh, of female friends actually ask me to write them out a program. And since I'm doing something myself, Dana, I kind of wrote out a program that I would follow and I gave it to them. And maybe I could just run it by you and have you comment on it because you probably could do a lot as far as uh, tweaking it. Is that okay, buddy? Sure, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, great. So step number one, of course, Dana, is to, uh, this is like a, a disclaimer, go to your doctor and get a physical and make sure you're okay. Um, obviously, you probably should get your hormones tested. Um, you know, if you don't have a doctor, you don't have insurance, you can always go to uh, one of those websites online. I forgot what they're called, like uh, some kind of labcorp.com. You can actually go there and pick out your own blood tests and they will send you a script and you go to a local, um, you know, a Quest Labs kind of place and boom, you can get a lot of stuff tested for pretty uh pretty in, inexpensive prices. Um, but that would be the first step, Dan. I don't you think it's kind of making sure that you kind of have a good endocrine function? Uh, yeah, I, I do agree. In fact, uh, endocrine function declines for both males and females at the age of 25 onwards. So you're talking about a 10% <laughs> decrease uh, for every single hormone across the board, with one exception, that being cortisol. Like every hormone across the board, you've got a reduction from from the age of 25 onwards. So uh, hormones, kind of, you know, again, what you what you used to be able to do probably isn't necessarily uh, going to be so easy down the line here. But uh, yeah, I think what you were thinking of is actually something called PrivateMDLabs.com, which is actually through LabCorp, and that allows yeah, you to yeah. kind of choose your own your own panels and so forth. That's right. Um, that's right. But I think everybody should have a baseline study done so you know where exactly you are. Uh, you know, when you're talking about those averages and the numbers declining over, you know, a decade, um, you know, you might not necessarily feel it, you know, say if you drop a percentage or something along those lines, but, you know, these things don't happen in a, in a, anything more than a sort of, uh, uh, unsymmetric or asymmetric stepwise sort of pattern. So, you know, whereas you lose 1% this year, say you skip two years and then all of a sudden you drop 5%, you know, the sure. average is about 10% per decade. So, you know, you might start feeling pretty terrible and pretty quick, um, yeah. you know, at least knowing where you were at at baseline. So sometime between 20 and 25, I usually tell people to get some baseline level of labs so you actually know what. You can kind of take a more proactive step with, you know, with your lifestyle and so forth as far as at least diet and exercise and, and, and everything are concerned uh, <laughs> sure. hormonally. 
And we, and we can get back to this because it probably is a pretty significant area to cover. But I want to go th- kind of through the program first, just with some of the basics. Um, okay. Now, as far as far as exercise. Uh, what I would advise, and you can go again uh, comment on this when I finish telling you, is basically cardio in the morning in a fasted state uh, where branched chain amino acids to prevent muscle loss. As an option, you may want to add a stimulant like caffeine, for example. That's uh, you know not not too bad, but it might help to you know accelerate some fat burning. Uh, I would do a minimum of three high intensity uh, uh, sprint type exercise uh, you know uh, in, uh, sessions per week. A minimum of fifteen to thirty minutes each. Uh, maybe a max of five high intensity. The interval trainings um, because I think too much of that and you can end up kind of going into an over over training mode and probably elevate cortisol but maybe optimal for cardio Dana would be somewhere around three high intensity and two what I call LSD which is long slow distance where you're basically very low intensity you're not taxing the body but you are burning fat at, at that low intensity kind of thing how does that sound as far as like a cardio program right there well I, I, again, we're, if we separate now, you know, males and females, their hormones aren't the same and so forth, we shouldn't necessarily treat them the same. I know that there's some people out there that suggest, oh, you know, if you can treat them the same, you know, females, they should, they should list the same, so forth. It's not entirely true. Females do tend to respond better to, to sort of the, uh, the standard thought of what cardiovascular training equals, and that being, uh, you know, aerobic training by default. Um, it depends on really where your goals where where your goals are. If if fat loss is your goal, you have to understand that fat loss. There's only four tissue types in the you know in the entire body, and fat loss is one of those said tissue types. And you're controlling anabolic processes, buildup processes, and catabolic processes, or or sort of breakdown processes. Fat loss is actually catabolic. So a lot of people get this in your mind that you constantly have to be anabolic through the day. But I like to actually give controlled periods of of catabolic activity in order in order to sort of supercharge it. Now, a lot of people say, okay, we'll go with the fasted cardio state. That's going to be dependent upon two things. Number one, if you're trying to lift intensely with weights, that's such a taxing to the central nervous system that it, it proves to be a little bit more difficult when you do cardio beforehand. Oh, yeah, of course. Get the, yes, good point. Yeah, and you can get the same stimulus. Now, so let's say you don't really have so much time to give. You may actually find it better to divvy up a particular training program, like where you're kind of going through your weight training and then subsequently you actually go through uh, sort of a cardio 15 minutes at the end of, say, your session, say that hit training or whatever becomes the end of your session, you're, you're going to kind of mimic a fasted state because you're sort of depleting glycogen first with the lifts, but you're not going to tax the central nervous system to a, to a level that may actually impede intensity as defined by resistance training standards, which if it's defined that way, it's how close you can lift to your one rep max. Females tend, you know, tend to get a little bit funny about it saying, oh my gosh, I don't want to get too big, whatever that means exactly. <clears throat> but the luxury is, is that you're talking an extra 35 calories burnt, you know, just by maintaining one pound of muscle, uh, you know, and you, you start adding these up, you say, okay, well, that's, you know, 35 calories times, you know, seven days a week times, you know, 31 days in a month times, you know, 365 days in a year. And that's just by maintaining one pound of muscle, wherever that pound of muscle, I don't care if it's hanging off of your forehead. Wherever that pound of muscle is, it's metabolically active, so it's, it's actually going to actually burn more calories in the long run. So you, you have to kind of incorporate weightlifting to that. <clears throat> Some people actually will do um, at least a, 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 a different type of thing, which I've called the uh, hurt training, um, spelt a little differently, high-intensity uh, interval you know, resistance training. So you kind of 
incorporate or you know couple the two, um, where you're actually doing your sort of high-intensity uh, level training, but you'll actually, uh, instead of going to, say, a slow pace uh, exercise, you'll actually move on to some kind of resistance move, whether that be core-based or, you know, alternative. If, you, if, you're, if you're actually lifting, you can kind of do it in between. A little bit more challenging when you do uh, leg exercises, um, just based, again, on the, the, the type of stimulus and the type of uh, uh, muscle fiber that you're working. So, so again... To prime systems like, and, and this really comes down to muscle fiber discussion. Um, I don't know if we've actually had this discussion, at least on the show in the past, but type 1 muscle fibers, your sort of endurance fibers, your aerobic style training fibers, or the, the things that sort of are there, you know, those things that are going to kind of let you go for a long period of time, sure. are certainly different than a type 2 muscle fiber. Type 2 muscle fibers, and, and that breaks down further, A, B, C, so forth. But for all intents and purposes, type 2 fibers are uh, those fibers that sort of um, respond to, uh, respond to, you know, sort of the resistance training side of the coin. So they have a lower base number of mitochondria. So mitochondria are important because you're not burning fat without more, you know, more mitochondria. But Sure. And the reason we thought that aerobic training was the beneficial side was because there's more mitochondria in type 1 muscle fibers. Type 2 muscle fibers, however, are, you know, because you're, you're pretty much genetically predetermined as far as your type 1 muscle fibers. You're not, they're not subject to hypertrophy. They're not yeah. going to get bigger. And as a result, whatever you have baseline, you're going to maintain that. So ultimately, working a little bit more towards the resistance side of the coin, and I, and I don't want to limit it to just resistance because anaerobic training could incorporate things like sprints. So the sprint side of the coin is not a bad thing. But if you work towards that particular side of the coin, now you're talking about stimulation of type 2 muscle fibers. They're subject to hypertrophy. If you look again, you can compare the long-distance runner to the sprinter. We know what kind of body type we would prefer. You know, looking at said body type. And this is being male sure. or female. In the grand scheme of that, you look at you look at the you know the different body types that exist, and there is a, a distinct difference, obviously, on who's holding more fat, who's uh, how shall I say, who's holding the more doughy physique, sure. um, comparably. But again, you know, you're 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 running catabolic, so if you run for extended periods of time, I agree with the the short time frame. Just kind of a little bit of a tweak would be the the essence of when during the day you're going to work out. Sometimes on a fast in a fasted state, there was actually a study released. Oh gosh, it was a year or two ago. That actually kind of went against that thought process or that mode where we had for years been suggesting, you know, work out in an empty stomach because you're essentially in a glycogen-depleted state. So your storage form of carbohydrate glycogen is, is gone, essentially, when you wake up in the morning because you're going through said period of fast. Obviously, your sleep period yeah. is one of your controlled catabolic time frames of the, of the, of the day. But the problem with that, like I said, not only is it central nervous system taxing, but it's also muscle staving. So you, you can't you can't control necessarily that well where your where your state is going to go. You hope you're not chewing away too much muscle because now we're talking about that extra caloric uh, uh, burn that we really don't have to do anything for outside of sort of just have muscle sitting somewhere. Um, you know, even for females, muscle sh certainly shouldn't be dubbed or, or deemed a bad thing or an inherent evil. Uh, you know, you're not going to get as big as the bodybuilders and, and so forth necessarily, uh, at least not uh, without some kind of exogenous means, um, not by default. You know, so, so 
you know, I think women, you know, one of the things they have to do, I mean, I know we're talking about, you know, quote-unquote cardiovascular, but to try and distinguish what cardiovascular inherently means, uh, it's sometimes a little difficult. You know, if you put somebody under a squat and say you have them do 20 rep squats, I guarantee you you're going to get cardiovascular training out of that. So you start quantifying, well, you know, is, is, is this the best means for that said person? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It really depends hormonally. Um, and you can get better shifts in growth hormone and things like that that will actually help you uh, with an overall physique appearance that might be more appealing to some uh, as opposed to not. So I think, I think the high-intensity in interval training style method is actually really good. Uh, I even think, you know, some periods of sort of this lower intensity training is good. <clears throat> Probably some debate as to whether or not first thing in the morning is the best time, but if you're not doing it at that time, and certainly it may not matter on a day where you're not actually doing weights, because I obviously wouldn't recommend weights every day. Sure. You know, recovery is just as important. But on days where you're doing weights, it may come best at the end of a session. You know, yeah. you still shouldn't be lifting weights for more than, you know, 45 to 60 minutes where minutes. your cortisol levels at its highest anyway. Exactly. So then you should pop into probably your, your, your high-intensity high session maybe, you know, after that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Maybe I answered quite a bit more there with all that. I don't know, but... No, that's good. I mean, hopefully it'll prompt some uh, some conversation on the boards about this kind of sure. stuff. Now, as far as weights, of course, you know, I think if you're not doing a bodybuilding routine, and again, like you said, most people are not going to look like bodybuilders. No matter how hard they try, they're not going to look like bodybuilders. But with that said, a bodybuilding routine is probably one of the best ones because it does help to, you know, augment that shift of maximizing muscle and minimizing or maximizing fat loss at the same time. But if you're not going to do that, then at least uh, have a routine routine oriented around resistance exercise, of course. Minimum of three all-body workouts a day. I mean, I'm sorry, per week. Um, hit the major muscle groups, of course. A minimum of three sets. Um, use some type of uh, modality like progressive overload, of course. Um, preferably, as you said before, to be faster before your workout as well because, again, that probably would help to, uh, I guess, augment the anabolic cascade right during that period by you know having those um, you know different hormones kicking in. Maybe some brass chain amino acids before or during the workout. I'm not sure you can, you can come out on that as well. And all things being equal, I think the idea of uh, these core focused workouts are not going to be as productive as a bodybuilding one. For example, a lot of studies coming out saying how it's so important to have the core and all that kind of stuff. I agree. But yet if you're doing squats on a, on a, on a, one of those big beach balls with weights on it, you're going to activate your core way more than you're going to activate your glutes and your quads, which are going to be your fat burning muscles. So you're probably better off doing the core stuff after and focusing more on using those big powerful muscles because they're, they're really going to generate a lot more fat loss, a lot more growth hormone augmentation too. And then, of course, one last thing with the weights is post-workout, you got to have a shake, some kind of protein um, for sure. Um, fats and carbs are not essential. And maybe, Danny, you can comment on that one too. Sure. Um, well, yeah, I agree. Outside of potentially looking like a buffoon with you know falling off of a BOSU ball or something <laughs> of that nature. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you, you, you obviously can do that and probably with relative ease, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and there's there's a, there's there's a time and a place for it. I think you and I agree. You do need some level of core, but only to improve your bodybuilding lifts, as we classically call them. Um, yeah, I mean, you really have to center on those big big lift, you know, big lift moves. I mean, they're ultimately going to be what stimulates the most hormonal change, at least in your body. Yes, um, exactly. Squats, deadlifts, 
I, deadlifts are very uncomfortable, especially if you're trying to convince females to do them. Um, very, 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 very much a challenge, unfortunately. Um, you know, they don't have to be crazy, but you can do variants of a lot of these things. You know, squats don't yeah. have to be just the, the standard, okay, I'm going to throw a barbell on my back. No, I mean, females tend to respond sometimes to uh, uh, belt squats where you kind of, you know, put one of those um, those chains between your legs, you're kind of standing on two benches. You're almost doing oh, like yeah, a plie, sure. really. Uh, or you do Jefferson squats or something along those lines. I mean, there's plenty of variations that uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's also better to keep females stimulated with it because, I mean, guys can go in and it's like, okay, well, you know, if you want me to just lift back squats for, you know, two months straight, fine. I'm fine with that, but that's not yeah. necessarily going to entice every lifter. And females are going to be one of those that are like, come on, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a way to kind of get some of those bigger lifts incorporated at probably, a, you know, an easier cost, at least uh, at least on your end, trying to convince them to do it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, in, in, in bench press, a lot of women sometimes are like, oh, my gosh, well, I don't want to lose breast size. You're not going to lose breast size. The breast muscle is actually sitting underneath, you know, your, your adipose tissue for the breast itself. So it should actually bring the breast out more so than it, than it will actually impede that. That's right. Um, again, provided you know you're not use you know no no use of exogenous means, then you know you're not going to impede that. But um, so we're talking about a few things here. You talked about branched chain amino acids, good product to use. Um, the 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 thing that you'll find is that you know max muscle protein synthesis is about twenty five percent leucine content. Well, what does that mean? There's different amounts of leucine in, in various proteins. Um, whey protein for one, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about a, a composition where per 40 grams you're probably going to get uh, anywhere from uh, three to six, depending upon if you use an isolate concentrate so far. I mean, there's, there's, there's different variations of that. Sure. Um, but you're probably talking an additional, you know, somewhere between five to seven grams of leucine itself for maximum muscle protein synthesis. If you're trying to stave off muscle loss, anything is going to help. If you're trying to maximize muscle protein synthesis, 25% of your total amino acid pool is going to be required. Now, of leucine, that, leucine you mean, right? Of leucine alone, correct. Okay, gotcha. I sure you know, for the longest, we did branched chain amino acid studies years ago, uh, and it's very funny, very funny. It's, they, people kind of said, you know, okay, well, you need them, and, and, and the, the muscle ratio is, you know, Two to one to one, or, or, or that's what right. have you, and ultimately say, okay, well, that's that's fine. But in the same sense, with that, and because it showed results early, we we we, we saw results because, like I said, with any amount of leucine, you're going to get some level of you know muscle protein stimulus. Th they kind of abandoned the idea of okay, well, maybe we should sort of see you know branched chain amino acids versus leucine alone. You're starting to see some leucine studies come out alone more and more, which is probably okay. fortunate. Um, there was just never any money in it. I mean, nobody could ever say, okay, well, I'm going to put all these dollars into studying this because I'm not going to have any incentive to do such a thing, to invest sure. all my money, and everyone else is going to benefit from it. And, you know, it's not like the pharmaceutical industry. You know, you're, you're yeah, paying to have your drug in the, in the front line, and the supplement industry is very different, obviously. So, you know, there's, there, there could be a lot of uses for it, a lot of uses in the, in the, you know, in the, in the day and age of a lot of muscle-wasting diseases if we actually did study it. But, again, there's no money. Nobody's going to market it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, so once we saw the branched-chain amino acids work as a whole, we kind of abandoned the idea, well, that, you know what, maybe there is better, and we could use leucine alone. And, and, and realistically, some of the studies that are coming out now, 
it's probably about 25% of your total amino acid pool from, from leucine as opposed to all the branched chain amino acids in whatever fabulous formula they want to offer you, an 8 to 1 to 1, a 10 sure. to 1 to 1 to 1, you know, they're all out there. People will suggest, you know, this and that for all of them. I think they dream them up, honestly, because it's, it's, it's not anything that's ever been suggested to be superior. There's been a, one, there's one, one or two studies on 4 to 1 to 1, and, and, you know, again, that's certainly of debate. Again, when you, when you see single lab studies, you, you start to question what the vested interest of the researchers is. Sure. Um, you know, as opposed to things that are replicated over time. So, you know, unless I see multiple studies, I don't try and, you know, don't try and jump to a conclusion or, or sort of be a, a victim of the moment um, and say, okay, well, this study as reported to me by, you know, Martha Stewart or whomever, whatever media source you can possibly imagine suggests, sure. you know, hey, you know, uh, Jillian Michaels or whatever, maybe that's more an appropriate figure, yeah. um, figurehead for people to, 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 to watch, at least on uh, television shows and so forth now. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, honestly, the, the, the most important thing would be loosening in that setting. Having it beforehand is fine. Um, if you're trying to get a lot of adrenaline rush, sometimes that's a little bit of a challenge if you start with a leucine drink beforehand. Um, leucine a, a, is a big insulin on my medic, so it's a, it's a stimulus of insulin itself. Insulin has counter-regulatory hormones, so insulin is sort of, I don't want to say opposed, but when insulin's not working, there's a hell of a lot of other things that are. Growth hormone, uh, adrenaline, if you're from European countries, We've kind of it's seeped into the United States stuff, at least from mainstream. It's you know epinephrine or norepinephrine or noradrenaline, dependent again whether you're U.S. or or European as far as studies. Those things are very important to the effectiveness of how up you'll be for said workout, um, and how how much fat loss will be incorporated and so forth. So if you have too many macronutrients before a workout, you're ultimately going to impede your fat loss potential. Um, you know, there now, is... Dana, some, a quick question about that, actually. Um, okay. Because I remember seeing some studies saying that actually the most important thing is uh, EPOC, which is excess post-oxygen oxygen consumption, I think, right? Which means basically that even during the, ex the ex actual exercise period itself, you're not really going to burn all that much anyway, no matter how up or down your adrenaline is, but it's really afterwards. And so if you, so, maybe you might want to comment on that. I mean, what's the more important phase? Is it actually what goes on during the exercise or is it the post-session um, well, you know, oxidative burn? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I agree with that in the setting that it's, the, the post-session, there's a lot of stuff that still happens. In fact, your biggest growth hormone surge doesn't happen while you're actually working out. It happens in the aftermath of said workout. Oh, wow. But what we do know is that if you take certain things before a workout, and GABA is probably one of the more prominent things, nice stimulus for growth hormone. If you take it before a workout, sometimes there, there are mixed reviews. Some studies suggest pro, some studies suggest con. But some of the studies that suggest con are sort of validated with arginine studies and anything that's sort of nitrogenous or, or, or amino acid based. Wow, interesting. Whereas you're taking some kind of macronutrient before. And that's because they're actually uh, sort of throwing every, all caution to the wind. They're saying, you know what, we're going to sort of forget this whole GI transit time. GI transit is the time it takes from, your, from, from the moment it hits your mouth to what we usually quote the duodenum, the first you know, section or portion of the small intestine or a lot of the absorption of a lot of these macronutrients and such occur. So you're sure. talking about two to two and a half hours 
before a session, you know, when they say, okay, well, wait X hours, two hours or whatever before you swim if you've eaten a meal or something along those lines. Not too far off, actually. Probably more accurate than saying, okay, well, I'm going to take a, a high-sugary pre-workout drink. There were some, some people that said, oh, you're going to be more anabolic. Um, you're going to be more, you know, more in an insulin suggestion or state. But when we're talking fat loss itself, not so much the case. Sure. I mean, I could be anabolic all the time. You have two periods, in my opinion, or my estimation, of controlled catabolic time or controlled breakdown time. That's during your workout and during the night. Yeah. I don't recommend people to wake themselves up in the middle of the night and do all that craziness that, that was sort of a thought process of yesteryear. But, you know, you're, you're talking about periods that you already have where you're kind of using those counter-regulatory hormones. There's no reason to extend those into other. I mean, there's people that are getting into fasting. Fasting's a sort of come back, a, a sort of a popular thing uh, with certain entities on the on the net. You've got you got to be wary about that too, because once you start throwing yourself out of positive nitrogen balance, you're starting to actually pull all the aminos from your muscle tissue. So that's that. You, you're really in a, in a position of challenge here because you're trying to balance all these things. And oftentimes, when people look at something, they're looking at it in vacuum. They're looking at that single study and saying, "Oh my gosh." got to change everything because this thing is telling me this. But if you combine research from these different areas, you say, well, wait a minute. If I'm combining all these things, how can I get, because there's always multiple ways from point A to point B. Sure. That's going to happen with anything in life. But there is a shortest distance between two points. There is a, there is a true straight line. It's funny that I say straight line because it's very redundant. I hate the term because, again, <laughs> lines can only be straight. Shortest distance between two points. So A and B, there is a best way. All of the, the various diets and things that exist kind of hit on some of those points. None of them really hit on them all. And that's the unfortunate thing as far as that. It's going to get you from point A to point B quickest. And quickest results are probably going to yield better results because in the long run, that's how I'm motivated. I don't know if you are motivated that way, but that's how I'm motivated. If I see results, I'm going to continue doing something. Yeah, And most sure. people, especially the, you know, the novices and so forth that start at the beginning of the year, they're going to be obviously be most motivated by change. So the quicker they see change, the more yes. they'll get into it. The, I mean, that is, that is like the, the, the best feeling in the world, you know, when you get that change. So I agree with you that post-workout needs to be quintessential in, in, your, in, your, in your program and, and thought process. And, you know, there's some people that still say, oh, you don't fall to that propaganda with the essence of, of uh, drinking a protein shake in the aftermath. Well, I do because I abide by the GI transit time that suggests that you should probably wait about two, two and a half hours before a workout. That at that point, now you're going to be in a sort of a, a starved nitrogen state that your body's going to want to sort of hold on to anything you could possibly give it. Again, 45 minutes to 60 minutes, somewhere in that time frame, you're talking about cortisol now being at its max. So you've actually given yourself a controlled catabolic time frame. You said, okay, well, I'm going to keep you at this, this control period. Say it's going to be 45 minutes. Say it's going to be 60 minutes. I'm okay with 45-minute workouts. Honestly, you can probably get done with 20 sets over the course of, a, of an hour, you know, with just two-minute intervals in between, you know. Sure. Sometimes people are sitting around for, you know, three, four minutes and so forth. That's a waste of time in my estimation. Yeah. Plus, you're working against your hormones with that alone, so you probably shouldn't be messing around with, you know, too long of rest intervals, which, which is the truth. I mean, that does exist. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, I mean, I don't feel like I have, like my, my workout's been worth anything unless I'm slugging something down in the aftermath of, whether that be a protein shake or whatever. But, I mean, I still want a whole food meal probably with an hour of that time, too. You know, you will have long since used 
uh, fed protein sources. Um, you know, and of, of course, there's you know a lot of data on which protein sources would be the best. Um, probably a lot of the hydrosylate studies are, are probably the best uh, as far as your um, increases in, in amino acids uh, in your in your serum. Um, as far as how quickly you get those to rise in the aftermath, uh, casein hydrosylate actually performed a little bit better than, than whey hydrosylate in some. Um, a little bit uh, more of a surprise, actually. I think a lot of people would suggest whey to have been the superior bean for so long. Uh, but at least in that setting, uh, in the immediate time frame, to get a lot of things and get them quick. Um, sure. Casein hydrosylate is actually the, the prime source in that setting. But, you know, a whey isolate is, is probably more cost efficient. So, yeah. you know, and you're working with the same thing. Like I said, 25% of your amino acid pool, leucine. Leucine. You know, so let's say you're taking 40 grams of protein. It's probably going to amount to uh, a need of about 5 to 7 grams of leucine. On top of that, exactly. To, sure. Gotcha. So, you know, Dana, one, thing, one thing you – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you mentioned the growth hormone spurt after the workout as being the highest sure. one. I'm kind of wondering, I mean, would you want to delay or maybe, you know, keep that fastest date going a little bit longer to augment that uh, growth hormone release? Because obviously, as yep. you said, in, in a nutshell, insulin up, growth hormone down, and or in essence, insulin up, kind of fat burning down. So maybe you might want to stop, maybe not have to shake right after and kind of, you know, enhance the growth hormone release or am, am I off base what? here? Yeah, well, you're not. You're not theoretically. Again, again, we're trying not to take a lot of these things in, uh, you know, in vacuum. So that's the difficulty where you're trying to incorporate as many of these things as you can, but trying to put them into something that makes the best sense. Um, if you've essentially abided by GI transit time study and literature, then, then the issue is that you're sort of giving yourself that time frame before the workout. You're working out. You're now nitrogenously or, or, you know, the nitrogen, the only source you're going to get it in, in, is in food is, is through protein, that you're nitrogenously deprived. So you're going to want to get that as, as quickly as you can. Now, you can augment that growth hormone spurt in the aftermath. And I'm, and I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to go back to it because we, we, we talked about it show one that I did with you. And that's <laughs> niacin. That's niacin. The best time for oh, anybody yeah. who's working out and really wants to experience this is about two grams or so forth before Maybe I'll, I'll get on the forum and, and actually post you guys um, the study and the graphs because it's a little bit better when you, when you can graphically represent what's happening okay. with growth hormone. But you can augment it where you actually shift the growth. The growth hormone is going to almost triple, really, in the aftermath. That surge is, wow. is kind of amazing if you could take it before the, before the workout. But I'm talking yeah. in a gram dosage. Not that I think that, that, that most supplements will have because they realize that people are a little uncomfortable with the, with the flushing and so forth. And that will go away as, as long as you use it consistently and so forth. But, um, so it's it, two it, grams of flush-free niacin, right? Is that correct? I don't. That's a difficulty. You, you know, years ago, I actually put something like that on a, in a, a in a post cycle therapy article series uh, about anosylhexanoacetate, which is uh, sort of the you know there's 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 actually six hence the hexa there's six niacin or uh, inositol molecules that sort of surround the niacin. Oh yeah, I gotcha. And as such, there's suggestion well you're going to be flush free. <laughs> as a result of that structure. Sure. Um, this is something that I'd probably say I've changed thought process on over, the, over time. It doesn't happen often, but this is one of them. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it's hard to say because studies haven't been performed enough, at least not to my liking, uh, on that particular compound, quoted flush-free. 
But some some people, some scientists actually go as, as far as saying, if you don't feel the flush, then you're probably not getting true niacin or you're not getting something that's going to have any therapeutic benefit. Sure, yeah. You know, and, and we're not talking about the cholesterol stuff and everything else that's a positive that I think we're talking about in show one. Yeah, sure. But the growth hormone side of the coin, you know, you might be able to say the same thing, whereas you're not getting the same benefit. I don't know. Again, usually if people can hold with it for about a week, the sensation tends to go away. Some people say, oh, I still get it, I still get it. Plus pronounced regardless, even if you still get any kind of flushing activity thereafter. Sometimes people get it intermittent as opposed to all the time. Sure. Um, yeah, it's something that you you either can you know take or not take. There's some people that just can't take it, and I understand that. The, the second best time to take it and get a growth hormone surge would be into the night, obviously, because then you're not feeling yeah. it. Cause you're probably asleep. Um, sure. Alternatively, at that point, you can also take an additional baby aspirin or something, kind of get some of that flush sensation away just by the aspirin <laughs> alone. Sure. So, yeah, and, and that's I mean, aspirin's a, a cheap supplement. I'll put it in quotes because I mean, theoretically, you can take it. Hopefully, you get enteric coated. We don't want your gastrointestinal tracts to be, you know, ripped apart yeah. over the years. But, but, you know, at least a nice enteric coated aspirin might stave off any kind of issue with the flushing. If you happen to stay up, you know, if, if you're if you're not taking it immediately before bed, twenty thirty minutes before bed, whatever, and and you're not physically asleep uh, when the sensation comes on, um, you know, you you could probably take you know aspirin to kind of stave that off a bit so sure, uh, in sure. preparation for even you know in preparation for so you're taking it either 30 minutes before the the niacin itself if you really want to get you know crazy you can take it at the same time you may still experience a little bit of a flush but it'll be very minor could um, you pyramid up because you maybe start off with 500 milligrams then go to a gram then actually, yeah, we, did a, and two we did a lot actually there's a 250 okay. milligrams too there's actually a um endurance products i'll, I'll probably even post a link to this. I have no financial obligation to this company, <laughs> but they have a good niacin product. Uh, it's actually okay. called Enduracin. Um, oh, yeah, I heard it before. That's right. Sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's for, by, by Endurance Products. It's very, very good, uh, good brand. Um, and you can get it, you know, as low as 250 milligrams, and you can kind of go upward, 250, you know, 500, so forth. Um, I think they only actually offer up to seven seven fifty, but you're taking multiple. I usually tell people just you know go by five hundreds, and it seems to be easiest. Yeah. Uh, as you're kind of doing that, but yeah, titration upward is another way you can kind of stave off some of that some of that significant flush. You know, because you have that okay. up front. That sometimes is a is a pain in the butt for people, and some people just can't take. They're just like, no, forget it. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to deal with that. Or they yeah. think they're having an allergic reaction. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's sure. not that. It's not that. So. Um, and actually, it's pretty healthy. I mean, overall, you know, there was actually just a, you know, I kind of say something about the cholesterol thing because, you know, the the, the data, you know, that we're, we're kind of riding on a lot of this was was there. The the one growth hormone thing that I'll post on the on the, the site uh, isn't. It's an exercise related study in, in trained individuals, but but this particular thing that I'm thinking about with the cholesterol, they're actually recently in the news. They're talking about statin drugs, the prime, you know, the primary statin, uh, the primary, excuse me, therapy, um, Lipitor being an, you know, probably the prime example, the number one sold drug ever, um, sure. and always on the prime of the list. Uh, good data behind it, you know, and if, if niacin stabilized plaques better, stabilized cholesterol when it's inside the blood vessel better, it would be the the, the standard of care in cholesterol therapy. But in the grand scheme, I mean, because it actually erases, it takes cholesterol out of the blood vessel and oh, makes wow, it more, great. more, okay. more viable. Where it's kind of taking that cholesterol out of the vessel. But statins themselves are the standard of care. Now they've just suggested, and it's been a, a, a prime 
detriment, so to speak, to, to nice. And people say, oh, it's going to potentially cause diabetes. Anytime you modify lipids or cholesterol, you're going to have some effect. And so statins now, finally, there's finally some literature out there. Um, and it's been in the news just recent, uh, probably within the last day or two, uh, that statin drugs themselves are you know, potentially going to increase your risk. And, and this is in particular in women, but increase your risk of diabetes. So something that we've bastardized niacin with for so long. And through the week, if everybody wants to go, I will post a lot of stuff about niacin data because I think it's just very important to understand from not only the growth hormone but the cholesterol, everything, kind of just putting it into a nice, uh, nice neat package. Not something for, for this discussion because we are kind of trying to talk about the diet there uh, for the new year. But, but in the grand scheme of things, if there's anything you could do, you know, an aspirin and, a, and, and, and niacin titrated upward is probably about the best thing from a health standpoint as we're That's going great. into the new year for yeah, most people. Yeah, definitely. So. That's but, worth uh, trading gold right there alone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, once you start, I'll actually show it to you in visual representation. So it's actually a little bit, it's a little bit more sure. clear, especially this growth hormone thing. It's very hard to describe it, but you can you can augment that growth hormone response. And this is with the post workout drink. So yeah. you're actually still seeing it augmented in a, in a positive fashion with the niacin, uh, even with the post workout drink. So you're not really you're not really attenuating that response to, to any significant degree. Yeah, yeah. So I want to move on to diet, but I just want to sum up with a couple of questions here now. Number one is um, just rest periods. To optimize fat burning, what type of rest period between sets are you, uh, are you recommending? Just so I get some clarity on that one. Yeah, here's the, here's, there's, there's, there's a, there was a reverse relationship. <laughs> intensity, intensity defined for weightlifting is how close you're lifting to your one rep max. Sure. So how heavy you're lifting, the heavier the weight, the more intense. That's a little different than cardiovascular. Cardiovascular, how quickly you're moving. You're more intense if you're moving faster. Along the annals of bodybuilding time, we've confused those two, and somehow with you know, <laughs> uh, we, we've we've put the two together, and they've melded, and and then you have circuit training. That's the sort of the advent yeah. of is, circuit training is is sort of the the combination of the two. It's positive. You know, I, I would say you know that's that's not a bad thing. In fact, uh, something I call lower body upper body couplets or luck training, uh, actually has you do a lower body muscle group followed immediately in superset fashion by an upper body group, you're going to get a pretty big growth hormone response from that as well. Um, okay. And you're going to move a lot of anabolic hormones in a positive direction. But shorter rest intervals are, are, are the things that are suggested in tendency form for, um, I say you do periods of control both, really. You know, periods where you start out and you're doing your heaviest sessions first because you can handle a heavier load. And then once you get and progress towards the end of your workout, now you're doing some things where you're doing some supersets or you're doing some, some shorter rest periods because you have to lower the amount of weight. You just can't physically lift the same kind of weight if you're going quicker from exercise A to exercise B to exercise. You just can't do it. Um, and so, you know, I'd say, you know, start out with those, you know, that heavy, that heavy, that heavy, the squat. Start out with that in your workout. But then next, say you put, uh, you know, leg extension, leg curl, even, you know, in, in sort of superset fashion in the aftermath of, you know, you're, you're still getting sort of the best of both worlds, but you're not impeding or taking away from your ability to, to maximize oh, effort, gotcha. maximize sure. intensity with your big lift. So your big variable lifts, rest intervals, basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. 
And then one more thing about his dinner. That's my spiel, I guess, if there's any, for fat loss. Start out heavy still, and then, you know, as heavy as you're going to be able to get, and then, then try and do <laughs> as some, you go some, lighter, some things that are going to combo Decrease your rest periods. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then one last thing, too, that I just want to make sure I understand here now. Um, since growth, now, mTOR is the highest after about 30 to 35 minutes of intense training. So, um, you know, that seems to speak to the fact that maybe you might want to start taking some protein at that point. And yet there's also the paradox of growth hormone augmentation is highest post-workout, that post-workout interval you were saying. So with that said, um, you know, I just want to make sure I got clarity here. Do I take a shake right after the workout? Do I do it 30 minutes into the workout? Or do I wait to the second growth hormone spurt after the workout and then have a shake? I'm, I'm kind of yeah, usually, usually I don't tell people to, to get involved too much with intra-workout stuff. You don't? Okay. Um, unless, unless, for whatever reason, they anticipate that their workout is going to stretch well beyond an hour. You know, and at okay. that point, it's a little bit different yeah. because now you're talking about your, your cortisol levels being as high as they're going to be. Um, you're okay with periods of controlled catabolism. I know people are, are very afraid of this scenario, and I understand what you're saying by mTOR. Um, you're still going to maximize muscle protein synthesis in the aftermath. And if you're talking about, okay. you know, if you're going to think that there's going to be a significant difference between 35 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever, into the workout and, say, 45 to 60 minutes, I can probably say it's going to be minimal at best. Okay. You know, is that going to make such a huge difference uh, it's not been studied, so I can't. I can't offer you objective mode. I, mean, I can't certainly tell you that I've dissected someone's, you know, muscles as we've kind of gone through and saw what that really was going to do, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things. But or to, you know, taking any kind of biopsies or anything along those lines, I haven't done it. It's not done, um, so I don't know that it's going to impact it to any significant degree. I can't fathom that it would. You okay. know, you're, you're talking a ten minute differential. You know, if you're going with forty five minutes, which is truly <laughs> sure. decided, at least most. Research would suggest 45 minutes-ish to 55 minutes-ish. I keep on saying to 60 minutes because an hour is a nice number to work with, but it's usually about 55 minutes. That's where you're talking about your maximum cortisol level. So you're, you're trying to fend that off too, and that's why I use the term controlled catabolism because you're, you're, you're controlling the time that you're going to allow that to happen. You're going to okay. remain anabolic the rest of the day. You know, why not give yourself the nighttime period, i.e., that's your fasting, or, you know, and, and as well as the workout kind of the workout time period itself, allowing for counter-regulatory hormones, growth hormone, cortisol, uh, adrenaline, noradrenaline, so forth, to, to, to do what they need to do to kind of promote said workout. Sure, um, sure. Certainly a different different mode of thinking, but but I guarantee, you know, I, I try to tell people this, you know, anytime somebody gets this, because sometimes people get sort of stuck in their ways. It's like, okay, well, try this for a month. If you're, if you're in this whole thing for the long haul, a month isn't going to make much difference. And if ultimately you see different results, and you tell me at the end of the day, thank you, and we'll move on from that. Nothing more said. But, um, you know, in the grand scheme, I, I, I can't fathom, Brian, that 10 minutes or, or, or even 20 minutes is going gonna, is gonna to make that much difference to say, yeah. you know, oh, my gosh, that's when mTOR is the highest uh, or stimulus-wise that's the highest. I, can't, I just can't, I can't fathom it. Like I said, it hasn't been studied. But okay. I can't fathom that there's going to be a huge difference between that 20-minute that interval there. Okay. Now I'm going to get hit with people who are into IF and they're going to say, you know, the whole thing about uh, nighttime fasting. So just to keep them at bay, Dana, what's the minimum <laughs> amount of hours you need to be fasted overnight to actually, you know, really get, I mean, obviously six hours may not be enough. 16 hours may be too much. Um, I, I'm, my, my rule of thumb is typically at least, I would say eight to 12 hours, somewhere around there as a range to shoot for. Well, I mean, the, 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 the thing that we have to say is where you're at now, 
can only get better. So sleeping more can only be better. And we're in a society that promotes that, but the reality is you're talking about, and this was just released in a study, um, oh, crap, um, probably about uh, maybe a month or two ago. Yeah, uh, I'm sleep. not sure. Uh, yeah, for, each, for every hour, this is for the males that are listening, yeah. for every hour extra, you're talking about 12% increase in testosterone levels. That's right, I saw that, that yeah. That's, that's, that's huge. I mean, you're talking about the 12% increase. You know, you, you can add that up, and, and we're talking, you know, can you sleep for 12 hours? Probably not. But, you know, I, yeah. you, you're trying to maximize all these things. Like I said, you know, even the guys who are, are thinking about this from a standpoint of, of longevity, there is some level of longevity with caloric restriction that is going to say it's positive, you know, positive things. But the question is, do you want to be 70 and a weakling, or do you want to be 70 and svelte, um, or harbor some kind of svelte physique? And, and, you know, some people say, no, I don't want to be invalid. I don't want to be, you know, uh, in a wheelchair or something, kind of, you know, with muscle atrophy beyond belief, um, because I've, I've decided that positive nitrogen balance isn't very important. And they said, okay, well, I'm going to take this piece of literature and then forget all of this. And that, that's very hard for me to do. When you take everything collectively... Nitrogen balance stuff is very, very important. So eating controlled periods, because you never know when muscle, and this is, this is kind of me pontificating a little bit more and kind of making it a little bit more sort of common sense, sensical, but you never know when muscles are going to call upon aminos that it needs. Okay. And the essence of growth, recovery, repair, so forth. So if you're going periods that are 12 hours, you might be extending it a little bit longer. And research okay. now, too, like I said, as we talked about when we started this conversation, is not telling us to get up first thing in the morning and do fasted cardio. That's not at least the most current research. So you've you got to start saying, well, maybe some of these tides and tables and so forth are turning. And, you know, I, I think we're in, a, we're in a different time period. If you looked at all the data together, it's not to suggest that I, that I say, you know, intermittent fast is terrible, because I don't. I think there's a time and a place for it. I think there's also a goal that you have in mind when you when you embark on something like that. So, is the goal the best body composition? I don't think it's the it's the, it's the quickest. You know, from point A to point B, it's going to slow okay. metabolism down for a heck of a lot of hours. Ultimately, you're already working at a, at a metabolically compromised or from a medically metabolically compromised position that it's going to sort of pose itself as, as sort of a, a, a bigger issue. I kind of did some studies, I think, on this on the Medical Muscle Facebook page, but and, and I think it was in response to this, this sort of this fasting, this, this intermittent fasting uh, suggestion yeah, action sure. that's come out. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting bigger. And, and things do, they come in fads, they come in waves. Um, I anticipate it'll go away just as quickly as it came, but that's my own, <laughs> my own thought. Um, yeah. It, 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 you know, people will chastise it. It's it, it's fine because I mean, people want to people want to rationalize what they're doing, and 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 I can't fault that. And it, and if somebody feels that it's worked positively for them, you know, then then so be it. I don't think it's going to put you in the best metabolic position you can be in, and best hormonal position you can be in. Hormones are going to suffer. Metabolism is going to suffer, um, and so ultimately you're going to slow things down to a halt. It's like how do you get that restarted? Yeah, I give you guys a challenge in that in that setting. Tell them to go out and compare it. You know, again, if you're in this for the long haul, doing something different for a month isn't going to change much. Yeah. So go out there and ingest food every two to three hours, and then try and go to your intermittent fasting. 
And I guarantee you, <laughs> two hours into your fasting session or whenever you decided that you were going to make those, your hypothalamus is going to be screaming saying, what the heck is going on here? Something's not right. Yeah. You can train your body metabolically to process foods faster. It wants the micronutrients. It wants the, the vitamins, the minerals, and so forth. And if it gets them at a slower rate, it will slow progression of things through the gastrointestinal tract. So you're talking about slower progression, slower metabolism, and that doesn't even talk about the metabolic, or the, excuse me, the hormonal havoc. But at least from metabolism itself, you're slowing progression through the you know, gastrointestinal tract. It, it might not seem bad if you're young, but when you get older, when hormones start changing, 10% per decade, 25 years yeah. onward, Everything's slowing more down. and more sure. challenging, and so you know. You also, take a look at the age of the people that are arguing for you know arguing intermittent fasting. I guarantee there's not a lot of old people, unless you look at their body and you're like, well, that's not really the body composition I'm signing up for. But yeah. the reality is, you know, that's that's a world of hurt. That's not necessarily going to put you in a position where you're enjoying life at 70, 80 years old. Sure, sure. Let's shift gears and do a little bit on diet. I know we got to get out of, out of here pretty soon, but I want to cover diet, just some basics, Dana, if we can. Basically, sure. what I'm telling um, you know my clients right now is to uh, you know drop as much as possible carbs and sugars. Maybe only have them either post workout or for breakfast. Um, they may be the optimal two periods where you actually can have some carbs. Uh, increase healthy fats, of course. Um, you know, omega threes, avocado, coconut oil, things of that nature. I would drop allergenic foods: dairy, wheat, corn, soy. Uh, they should be out of the diet because they're allergenic and they can cause a whole host of uh, of downstream uh, ill effects. I would increase nutrient dense foods: um, greens, spices like turmeric and ginger, things of that nature, because nutrient density is definitely going to help. Every single aspect of your of your metabolism, um, Dana. As you know, we're both kind of fans of smoothies here on Quantum Physics because it's a great way to kind of jam pack a lot of really good nutrient dense foods into an easy to uh, easy easy to kind of to go container. Basically, I would go for protein with each meal, minimum of twenty grams of protein, I guess, with each meal. Uh, maybe a goal of three quarters to a gram of protein per pound of body weight. And uh, I think overall, you want to have a net daily drop of, I'm not sure, Danny, you can tell me, but maybe somewhere between 200 and 400 calories a day uh, to kind of facilitate weight loss. Now, maybe you want to add some comments and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we'll start back at the, I kind of wrote down some of your thoughts here because you were, you were listening to listen. I'm like, oh boy, I better actually write some of this down or I'm going to forget what you're telling I can repeat them. Me. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, the, from a decreased carb standpoint, um, whew, do we want to say that carbs are the bastardized nutrient of the, of the decade here? Um, probably. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, honestly, I think, I think bodies will, more bodies will respond to lower carbs. There are some people that are genetic gifts and so forth, and for the 99% rest of us that hate them, um, we, we actually realized that, 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 that carbs could be bastardized or controlled the way you're suggesting, you know. And I think the things that you suggest are, are, are you know, exceptional, actually. I don't think there's any issue with keeping carbs earlier in the day if you're going to have them or post-workout or what have you. Okay. Um, you know, I would never fault someone to say, okay, we have oatmeal or something along those lines. Or if you're going to try and do kind of completely sort of a keto style, then have periods where you're actually going to carb up for real uh, if you want to go that, that route. But, I mean, from, from that standpoint, no, I, th I think that's certainly reasonable. It's, it's the important thing that you want to do, and this is above all else. We haven't really talked about this, but it's and, – and this is something actually that you want to do. It actually hits back on the intermittent fasting you know, campaign, actually, is you want to control – 
what we call glycemic variation. So wide swings in blood sugar, you want to make sure that you can flatten that out as best you can. If you're talking about body composition goals or physique goals uh, in a positive way, that most would okay. say, say it's a positive way, i.e. increase muscle mass, decrease fat. I don't know anybody out there that doesn't want that. Um, you know, if I hear anybody suggest, oh, I'm too muscly, I, I don't think, I just, I yeah. just don't, I can't fathom that I would hear that too often as a no. complaint. You aren't coming to me if you have that issue. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the reality of it, right? So, you want to kind of smooth that out through the day. Now, you're not going to do that if you take periods of fasting. You're just not going to do that. You know, you're, you're talking about your blood sugar dropping to whatever level, and now the moment you have any kind of calories, you can't control where that blood sugar is going to peak itself. It's going to, it's going to shoot up. It's going to be a wider swing. Your body's really going to respond hard when it starts coming back down, too, and you're trying to go into another fasting period. You don't normally feel this, but sometimes if you get big sugar shocks, too, while you're going to sleep, you know, while you're doing that control catabolism through the night, you don't really sense it. You're sleeping. But that's not the same, the same point during the day. I mean, you're not, you're yeah. not really you know, in that suggested state. Um, but, you know, carbs aren't a bad thing first thing in the morning, either. Carbs really aren't. Um, you know, and I'm probably the last time I've written a lot about ketogenic diets and so forth over the years. But, but carbs aren't a bad thing first thing in the morning. Um, you know, you're talking about impeding cortisol. Cortisol is its highest level, you know, first thing you wake up. It is the most stressful thing on your body to open your eyes in the morning. It's yeah. scary. <laughs> it's a scary world. It's a scary world. You turn the lights on, you open your eyes, and that's, that's where your cortisol shoots up. <laughs> uh, second time is after you're kind of, you know, coming down the end of the workday. You're very stressed, you know, but, yeah. but, but, but really it's that, it's that opening, opening the eyes. That's stressful. That, the body says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What is this? So, so carbs aren't terrible then. Um, you, can also, you, can, you can kind of make bad carb choices like you were saying, and, and I certainly agree. Um, there, there's nothing that you said as far as the, the types of, uh, I don't know that I would completely eliminate dairy per se, um, but it, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's not it's not it's not horrendous. I, I know what you're saying with the, you know, the, the allergenic style and so forth. But I mean, it's it's there certainly are worse things. Um, I do think that we're a strange breed, though, in that regard. And on that same note, you know, we are the only the only mammalian species that actually consumes another mammalian species milk after infancy. So, so yeah. this is very strange, very particular. We can make cases against it and, and, and for it. Um, but, 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 but I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a complete protein. It's hard for me to completely dissuade myself against it. Um, but I think there are impure types of dairy forms uh, versus others. Uh, so that's, that's, and that kind of even gets us, you know, on a discussion even from, you know, your protein powders and so forth that you're suggesting, you know, from, from isolates to concentrates and so on. But um, yeah. maybe a, a topic for another day. Uh, Nutrient-dense foods, sure, agree with it. I mean, you know, you can have more of them. <laughs> it's all, you know, a good thing, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, leafy vegetables and so forth. I mean, you can have a hell of a lot more of them. Certainly makes you feel a little bit better. Um, hard to tell somebody to to eat less uh, of certain things that have made them fat in the first place. Um, so you got to keep that in mind too. But uh, but no, I mean I, I think that's that's wonderful protein with each meal. Can't argue with that. Positive nitrogen balance. We talked about it throughout the show here. It's certainly positive healthy fats. We've talked about those 
Yeah, every, 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 show, every show, exactly. <laughs> so, so I can't, I can't, I can't fathom that I, you know, I would go on a different route than that. I kind of save that for the end here, suggesting that, yeah, you know, I mean, healthy fats, wonderful thing. Do you want to have too many fats at the same time? You do carbohydrates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it depends. I mean, people, you know, people aren't going to get fat when they start saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to put some avocado on bread or something. I mean, it's not going to happen. Not that I recommend okay. bread. Yeah, but. I've been hearing about that. Actually, the worst thing that you, but it's one of the things going around now is this thing: you can't combine fats and carbs. That's like that's when you get fat. You're saying don't go extreme that, with that. It's that's okay. That's the Western diet. That's it's easy, right? That's the Western yeah, diet. Right. It's easy to say, don't do that, because we know what the end result is. Um, But that's, I mean, you're you're talking about different types of fats. People aren't out there eating avocado and getting fat. Yeah. People are out there eating McDonald's and so forth. So, I mean, it's... Exactly. uh, Maybe we should offer a disclaimer that I'm, you know, in no way, shape, or form trying to to, to entertain or or dissuade people from McDonald's. But... um, Or maybe I am, but uh, my secret (laughs) plight. In any event, uh, yeah. So, I mean, everything that you've suggested, I mean... they're wonderful diet ideas. There's no, there's nothing that I would suggest in there to be wrong, but multiple small meals through the day is, is certainly superior. I mean, it's 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 the way your body's going to metabolize it a lot lot better, um, and not it's going to prevent the wide sugar swings that we talked about. Uh, going to keep you in a positive nitrogen balance. Twenty proteins or some magic, you know, twenty grams of protein or some magic number. There's nothing really that says hey, it's that number, but uh, you know, and certainly if you know, some people go with you know paleo style diets or whatever diets of our ancestors and suggest, you know, Hey, these individuals, you know, when they killed a particular carcass, they ate the whole thing. You know, they didn't kind of consume 20 grams and make sure that was it. And they'd go periods without it and so forth. So, I mean, there's some persuasion that comes out of that. Um, if I had to chase my bread around the table, I'd probably lose some calories too, though. So there's, <laughs> you already have an inherent issue, you know, and a discrepancy between activity levels uh, and, and ability to kind of uh, uh, consume at will and, and watch TV and and, uh, and everything else that kind of goes with our, our oh, yeah. slothfully society at this point. But um, well, It's kind of funny. But, you just put a thing on Facebook about, uh, you know, I mean, you're right. The sedentary lifestyle is so toxic. that, that That's actually the biggest problem most people have. And uh, you think about 86, the number of hours, three people watch TV and they all had cardiac issues afterwards. And right, I responded right. to you on Facebook saying that it was funny because I saw, I think I saw a study. You may even have come across it that, um, you know, TV watching has been associated with increased cardiac uh, issues, I think, right? There was a study showing right. something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's so, actually a, a few of them actually. Um, one one analysis was actually interesting and actually suggested TV watching. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, the, the 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 relative belief I put in the position, but it's kind of interesting because um, somebody had actually responded on this because I had responded to you on this. But uh, they said, uh, you know, said that honestly, there's there's comparison between TV watching and being on the computer, uh, you know, and and TV watching is actually worse. <laughs> And somebody was like, oh, well, you know, you're typing, so that's got to burn some calories. It's like, yeah, okay, well, I'm warming up my, my fingers now, um, and, I, and I can yeah. certainly feel the burn in that regard. I, I don't know how much I buy into that per se, um, but it, it, was, it was an interesting analysis. I, I'd have to sort of look it up. Maybe, that, again, that's a, a discussion point for the week, you know, as we're, as we're kind of going on to, uh, you know, talk about it on the forums and so forth. It might be certainly something worthwhile. Uh, to kind of bring it up, or or even on the the, the quantum physics uh, Facebook page or something, you know, figure out a way to kind of get it in there because it's interesting. Sure. It's, it really is. If if either of us find the study, I'm certain uh, it's certainly something to, to to look for, and 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 I think it certainly would bring a lot of uh, uh, discussion points and topics up. 
Yeah, no, it sounds great. Actually, uh, we're kind of out of time right now. We need really need to get you back on, Dan. I hope you can come on next week because we really got to go more into diet. I know you're a big fan of, I believe it's Body Opus. Is that right? Remember you mentioned that last time? Body Opus is kind of a, a, a Bible for many bodybuilders. That's even right. To this point, yeah, well, for many, you, I thought. I thought ketogenic, so, you know, the ketogenic diets in the aftermath. Well, I've, I've sort of written or pinned two uh, sort of uh, uh, follow-ups to that, sort of updates, as they will, I mean, in the, in the, in the advent of uh, uh, Duchesne's passing. But, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's certainly something that... Um, yeah, it, it, the body opus diet is a, is a favored diet. So we'll, we can talk about that next time, though. Yeah, because I, I want to get into a little more in diet, maybe have some of your um, ideas on, you know, manipulation for maximizing hormones, but then also supplements. I mean, I know you got some great um, threads uh, going um, online on, you know, fat burners and the different types of fat burners. And it's pretty interesting, sure. actually. You and I had some conversation about the different ones. And, you know, I want to get into that. And then if you want, we could segue into a, you know, another topic, either thyroid or get into a PCT, whatever you want. But I definitely think getting you back on, if not next week, very soon to do a part two would be great if you can make the time. No, absolutely, absolutely. That's great, Dana. I just want to thank you one more time for being on there. Once again, folks, this has been Dana Hauser, MD, our resident expert on many things fitness and health related. Uh, once again, you know, show your support for Dana. You can always go to his Facebook page. He's Dana Hauser on Facebook. And also, I believe he has um, Medical Muscle. Uh, he's got a website. It's called Medical Muscle. I think it's medicalmuscle.net, I believe, is the one that's actually working and shows some support there as well. And his um, he posts regularly on the rxmuscle.com forums too under the quantum physics threads so you can always do that again and if you like the show by all means please show jeff and i some support and go to our facebook page it's the quantum physics page on facebook and just like us because this way you can keep in touch and we will be posting notes from this show on the quantum physics page now last show just quickly i mentioned getting into the top five um, inspirational quotes or sayings for 2012 and you know what i have my list jeff has his list but I'd like everybody to kind of tune in or, or type them what they think would be a good one on the Facebook page, um, the Quantum Physics page. Let me know what you think the top five inspirational, motivational um, quotes or sayings would be for 2012. And if you like them, I'll send you guys out a free bottle of my uh, Euphoria or Gabitrol stress and anxiety product. By all means, I want to pick some really good ones. So once again, that's the Quantum Physics page on Facebook. And I want to thank you for tuning in. We're going to get Dan on hopefully next week for part two of this uh, accelerated fat loss program. Once again, I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, here at Quantum Physiques. Thank you for tuning in. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every Wednesday evening, only on Rx Muscle.